still got one man up and Jonathan Joseph comes straight through the middle. Got Mike Brown to beat as the last line of defence and here goes Joseph. Joseph's going to get over. Watson goes on the outside. Oh, Watson goes Hello and welcome to the Bath Rugby Plug, the rugby podcast by the fans, for the fans, plugging the boys in blue, black and white. My name is Gabriel and still no Tom. I think that is a good luck charm. No Max Adoma this week. Big shoes to fill for friend of the podcast, Bath season ticket holder, Andrew. Andrew, very nice to, to see you and speak to you again. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm really good. Thanks for the invite. Thanks for the invite. Gone from one end of the spectrum to the other, really, haven't you? You've got a, a young, fit, rising bar star to a 30-something, ever-widening in all the wrong directions, father of one. Uh, and absolutely a fading star. But no, thanks for the invite. It's nice to be back on. No, I mean, I'm not going to say you were top of the list of invitees, but you were definitely <laughs> second. Once we ticked Max off last week, you were second on my list and yeah, um, a second win in the absence of Tom. So I definitely think that he's going to be, he's going to struggle to get back on the podcast. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> and, and how, how are you? How was, how, how have you kind of enjoyed the, the season? I think you were on the podcast. The first podcast we did against after the defeat against Newcastle, or one of the first earlier in the season. Um, how have you, how have you enjoyed your, your season ticket this season before we do look ahead to look, look back at that Bristol win in particular? I think enjoy is a really strong word, to be honest with you. Um, but the best thing about it is you go there, you watch a really good team play rugby. The only um, issue is it's not always in blue, black and white. No. Um, uh, and uh, look, the, the best thing about it is you're in one of the best cities in the world to watch rugby. Um, uh, crowd and the people by me are brilliant. So actually, as a day out, a day away from a, a crying 10-month-old baby, it is absolutely brilliant. But the rugby uh, has definitely not been not been great at all. But... You know, two wins on the bounce, can't complain about that. Um, and, you know, I was starting to think I was a bit of a bad luck charm. I was just saying uh, to, to you off the camera that the last home game that I spoke to you was the Newcastle home game. After 30 minutes, Adam Rabban scored a try. After 30 minutes in this game, we were three, three tries down. So, um, you know, starting to think I wasn't a good omen. But, yeah, nice to finally see a win. And it's actually my first win at the rep for a game that I've been to. So, yeah, super happy about that. Yeah, I mean, it was absolutely fantastic day at the rec, wasn't it? On Saturday, obviously talking about the the 29-27 victory for Bath over Bristol. Um, I don't know why I always repeat the score at the start because I feel like every single person listening probably knows the score. But maybe someone waits four days, tries not to get a spoiler and then listens to this <laughs> podcast. So, you know, I just throw it in for, for that very sad person. But yeah, an absolutely brilliant, brilliant win for Bath. The performance was... Um, up and down I think certainly started down but kind of before we touch on that and, and everything that kind of led to Bath having to make an incredible comeback why don't we start at the end of the game on this occasion and we weren't sat together Andrew but kind of I know where I was stood in the Thatcher stand the atmosphere was absolutely rocking and 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 it was one of the probably the, the best day at the rec all season I think that's difficult to say. What was the atmosphere around you like and how did you enjoy that, that incredible ending? Yeah, um, <clears throat> the atmosphere was, was absolutely brilliant, full of energy, lots of noise, uh, but actually quite a lot of positive atmosphere, I think, given um, the fact we started so badly. As soon as we scored our first try, I kind of felt like something was in the air and there definitely wasn't, I think, uh, with the people that I sit beside the kind of typical negativity that we, uh, that we uh, tend to find after going a couple of points down, especially after the red card and that kind of decisive moment. It felt like 
the wind was in our sails very, very quickly. Uh, and towards the end of the game, I mean, it was it was awesome. I mean, it's probably one of my most favourite and memorable moments of the wreck. I sit just behind my father-in-law now this season. Uh, and it was it was awesome, at, you know, full time to share that moment with him and, and my mother-in-law. It was, it was absolutely brilliant. Uh, and the people around us were on top form. It was uh, it was a great moment, really, really good moment. Yeah, I think absolute credit to to season ticket holders like yourself and and all the other season ticket holders and all the other fans that go because, yeah, it has felt like despite the the rugby as you alluded to earlier being being pretty rubbish at quite a lot of times this season, the Bath fans have almost kind of circled the wagons and the atmosphere almost feels a little bit more um, kind of, I don't know, kind of all as one, like through through kind of... The, yeah, united, the isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I think it has kind of united through through tough times. And yeah, certainly the, the atmosphere at the end and then and then the way that the, the fans all stuck around to, to clap off what seemed to be about 50 Bath players um, <laughs> aided by loads of the, the stars being injured and being away with England, kind of all of them walking around together. And, and yeah, I don't think many Bath fans were rushing to the pubs immediately after the game. I'm sure, I'm sure that came a little bit later. I, I don't know if that's something that you've experienced, kind of that unifying, unifying nature of the, the tough season that we've experienced. No, I don't think so. I think the last time I remember something similar happening was um, whenever, I think it was just the season pre-COVID, so it'd be the 2018-19 season where um, we were trying to secure European rugby. And Joe Cocker singer did his old winking try in the corner. I don't even remember that moment. And I think it was David Atwood's last home game and a few of the other kind of players had been around for a while. And that was the last time that I remember there being, uh, you know, that, that amount of people that stayed after the game to cheer the players around. But in terms of like that feeling post-game, um, you know, definitely, definitely something I can't think that has, uh, has kind of been like that, at least for the last, you know, decade or so. It's been an awful, awful long time. Um, until we've had that, that kind of feeling. And I think also what was nice as well is that you had players like Sam Underhill making a comeback. I think I probably wasn't the only one that was a bit worried about him. He's going to come back. Is he going to be as strong as he is? How long is it going to take for him to be there? And I think it was just it was a nice feeling. Not only were Bath looking like they were starting to hit form and actually starting to play a little bit more expansive rugby, and that's quite easy against 30 men for most of the game, <laughs> but actually there were some you know shoots of players coming back into form. Sam Underhill was back, obviously. Rocco looked brilliant. Joe Cockenhausen has now got three tries in two games. There's a lot to be positive about, and I think that just transmitted itself in, into the crowd and the atmosphere. It was a sellout crowd, right? And there's not many teams in the Premiership can do that, alone being, you know, second from bottom. Actually, bottom before the start of the game in the table. So it's a pretty amazing beat, right? Yeah, and, and you look at kind of who we leapfrogged to go second bottom in Worcester. You look at some of the crowds that Worcester have been putting out, and yeah, I, I don't yeah. want to kind of. I don't think there'll be many Worcester fans listening, so maybe I'm okay to slag them off. But yeah, there's barely anyone there, and kind of yeah, it has been really positive. Kind of the the the, the fans sticking behind them through through thick and thin, as we always implore them to. And and yeah, where I was stood, there was certainly a lot of Bristol fans as well. Um, I was actually mm. with a I came to the game with a Bristol fan, and a couple of Bath fans, and yeah, those first twenty minutes were were extremely difficult, and that made the the ending yeah all that sweeter. And why don't we kind of touch on that first half and in particular that, that first 20, 25 minutes um, before the, the Naulanga red card, which, which, which probably, you know, did have a massive impact on the game. Just kind of how bad do you think we were? Was that, was that up there with kind of the worst periods of our season or, or were Bristol just so fast out of the blocks and, and so well organised that, that we kind of 
were 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 the victim of of a Bristol storm. Yeah, it's, it's hard to put your finger on exactly what was the cause of it. I, I just think there was maybe a little bit of uh, unpreparedness from a mental perspective. I mean, they're the same players that have bounced back and um, later on through the game for the most part, and they're also the same players that have played pretty well the last couple of weeks against Le- uh, Leicester and Newcastle. I do think Bristol had a bit of a shock tactic. I mean, their pack absolutely bulldozed um, ours, and it's really hard to defend. That's their their secret weapon, right? They're more an absolute weapon that they execute very, very well. Uh, I think they did it once. Uh, I think actually Morozov as well has had a pretty tough time when it comes to uh, some of the physical battles. And, um, you know, it's something that I think we need to try and get better at. You know, we're not defending those kind of physical contacts, especially driving malls as well as we used to. And I don't know whether that's down to the fact that the pack is basically decimated. Uh, and, you know, we're, we're playing medical jokers in our, in our first team um, and, and really scraping the barrel. Um, and whether that kind of flattered theirs a little bit, I guess it's hard to tell. But it is a tactic they've, they've deployed a couple of times this season quite successfully. So I think it's maybe a bit of bit of us and, and a bit of them. Um, uh, so, yeah, that's yeah, what, what I think. And uh, I guess, you know, something for the guys to pick up and, and coaches to pick up uh, for the rest of the season because it's not going to be the, the toughest test that we face between now and, and the end of the season. Yeah, Bristol's more was, was fantastic, wasn't it? I you know, but I think we made it look fantastic. I thought I thought the defense yeah. was, was kind of n- almost non-existent. Like, yeah, I, I think they took a penalty from the kind of got a penalty after our, our first exit, went into the yeah. corner, scored almost immediately. The following exit, they mauled us again, again. got the penalty yeah. into the corner and scored. <laughs> and there was absolutely no defense to it. And yeah, Bristol, in fairness, did look pretty organized, but you'd expect a professional rugby team to be organised, right? Bath, on the other hand, looked completely disorganised in that first 20 minutes. Not only defending them all, I thought kind of, yeah, they were splintering off, they were going, they weren't kind of cohesive in that defence. And then also when we had the opportunity, when we did actually end up getting into their 22, and we had a couple of opportunities to maul, we just looked completely disorganised and it looked like a team that kind of hadn't played together at all against a team that, that, had worked on something in the week and had been working on something throughout the season. And yeah, yeah, I understand that kind of Morisov is new in there and like, you know, there's a few people in there that may not have played like Dowerty loads of rugby, but but these guys have been there now for a few weeks. And yeah, I just think kind of the ineptitude of the way those guys have been organised in the week was just shown so clearly in that first 20 minutes. Kind of, I was worried that it was going to get massively out of hand. Um, and I think it probably, you know, it could have got more out of hand, right? Like Leua puts his foot out into touch, you know, yeah. that's very easy, but another try. And then I think on another, a completely different occasion, they got, they got held up. And if mm. it's on a 35 nil, then it's even harder, even with 13 men. So, yeah, I thought it was, you know, a horrendous start by Bath and, 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 and could have been, could have been made even worse by, by a better team, which we have seen when we've played like Saracens and Leinster, haven't we? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, you know, I appreciate they've had, a, you know, a couple of weeks together, but actually it's really hard to build those automatisms that, that you get through your gameplay playing week in, week out, the very, very similar playing style. And I think one thing that, you know, um, uh, Bristol have in that driving more. You have Chris Buey, who I don't know if he impressed you as well, but I was really impressed with the way that he was controlling that uh, and, and really guiding um, uh, the more forward. And also, uh, who's the proper Armstrong? Mm. I thought he had a 
absolutely brilliant game as well and was really uh, a vital component of, of pretty much any kind of drive forward they had uh, from, from a physical perspective. So, yeah. Um, but look, it's one of those things, right? And, and I think if you take into account the age of our players, if you take into account how long they've been together, it's probably one of those things that you kind of have to expect that's, that's going to happen. And, you know, hopefully now with uh, with a fallow week before our next game, even then it's a cup game against Bristol, they're probably going to be out for blood. We've probably got a bit of time maybe just to try and work on that again and get a couple of practice runs before we kick back off into the Premiership again. Yeah, and I think the experience in that pack really was in that back row, wasn't it? In Falatau, Underhill and Bayliss was that back row, which is an international back row, no question. But I think when you are going backwards in the mall, your type five and in particular your second rows, like you mentioned Armstrong and Bowie there, whereas Bath's second row are Williams, who isn't really a second row, and Richards, who will definitely come on to talk about, but maybe yes. doesn't have that physical presence to defend and to organise like like what Avui does. And yeah, I think mm. that, that was kind of the you know, the area that, that, that we were that we were struggling in and, and yeah, maybe maybe explainable, but I do think you know, it was it was rubbish. And yeah, I don't you know, I spend every week throwing charters under the bus, so you know, <laughs> I think people understand my um yeah, I just can't believe he's he's here next year. But anyway, um did the game swing then, Andrew, on the red card completely? Was that the massive turning point in the game, do you think? And and I guess we can both agree that there's absolutely no question about the red card. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was it was reckless, wasn't it? Um, and if memory serves me correctly, he's just come back from a red card as well uh, after another ban for a ridiculous high shot. And I think he scored a try in that game as well. So, I mean, the guy is a bit of a, a diamond in the rough. Um, and just, I guess, something that he's going to learn. But he, he's going to be an absolute weapon if he can sort out his tackling until then it's going to be a complete liability for Bristol, I think. But yeah, I mean, there's there's absolutely no question about it, right? I mean, no mitigating factors. Uh, I'm, I'm not too sure if you saw the blood on his shirt, but um, it looked like that probably came direct from the tackle from what I could see. Uh, and it was pretty disgusting, right? But um, yeah, I mean, absolutely uh, a defining moment. I think also um, Harry Thack again, a yellow card just before the red as well. You know, the men that Bristol were down to 13. It's basically rugby union against rugby league. Uh, and I think, you know, it was, um, it was actually nice to see Bath play quite clinically from that moment. Mm. I think something we've bemoaned is we had this one-dimensional game plan, but actually what we are doing is we're absolutely hammering and smashing our way down the middle and then finally um, getting the ball out to the, to the backs and spreading the gameplay a bit, which, you know, I think was, was really quite interesting to see. And it's, it's actually quite nice to see because it's, the one thing that's frustrating is this kind of one-dimensional game plan we've, we've had all season. Um, and I think actually there's, there's four players in particular uh, and there's a stat I want to call out that I've picked up, which I think just demonstrates how we executed that game plan. So you and Richards, the Glanville, Rocco and Big Joe accounted for 70% of all of Bath's metres made in the game. And they made 289 metres, which is 7% more than Bristol in the whole game, just those four players. Yeah. So I think it just shows, you know, you and Richard that drive forward and then the Glanville, Rocco and Big Joe are just absolutely metronomic, I think, in, in really stretching Bristol and, uh, and the defensive line. Yeah, because I think when you do go down to 14 and then in particular to 13 men, mm. it 
the, the gaps are always going to be out wide, aren't they? Because the team will just yeah, press sure. in and then they'll say what kind of, if you can get it wide and you can beat us on the outside, then fair enough, but we, we won't let you beat us through the middle. And yeah, I, th- I thought it was quite refreshing to see us just go from side to side more than maybe we would have. And I do wonder whether, and I, I doubt whether we would have actually done that if they hadn't gone down to, 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 to 13 and 14 men. I think we probably came into the game, certainly speaking to Max Joma last week, and, and he was saying kind of we were look, you know, the game plan would probably be to go from set piece to set piece. And I think if it had remained 15 against 15 and we tried to go set piece to set piece, we saw how the, both set pieces were going. I'm not sure that was that was going to be very good for Bath. So I think. I agree. Yeah, Bath <laughs> were lucky, obviously, in a lot of ways that they, they did go down to, to 13 and 14 men. But I think we did really well to to kind of alter what we did and and try to exploit that. And yeah, you know, watching the game, I thought you and Richards kind of watching the game live. I thought you and Richards was was outstanding. Kind of made three or three or four incredible breaks, and we'll come on to one at the end. But Tom de Glanville, I didn't think I realised just how well he played. He was absolutely outstanding in that game. Um, and yeah, he was often the guy who was taking the ball in in the centre of the field and, and he was the one getting it wide to, to Joe and to, to Rocco or breaking himself. Yeah, I thought he was, him he, him and, and JJ, I thought were, were, were really pivotal in that, that game plan. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what can you say about the Glanville really? I mean, he has been brilliant this season. I think he's gone from being a player that um, had some nice flashes to really putting it together for the full eight team for the full game now and uh you know he's consistently able to deliver at least a seven to eight out of ten performance week in week out um i mean i think he's yeah, so you know um i think the great thing is now he's now able to kind of deliver that kind of consistency week in week out um and you know you seem to win almost every high ball had two try assists and led the team in terms of meters made and carried. Like he's becoming a really, really strong part of our team and, and like a senior player and able to dictate the way that we play. Uh, and I'm kind of glad he's flying under the England radar a little bit because it means we're able to see the benefit. And he had a really positive impact on, on the way that we adjusted our game. And I know what you're saying around um, the fact that whenever teams have players either in the bin or sent off, that you kind of expect a team to change their game plan. But I think he really led from the charge and, and led from the front with that and, and had a massive impact on on the change to our game plan and, and the way that we executed it. I mean, how can you say anything more than, than he's got to be, you know, in that England team within the next 12 months, right? I mean, he has well, to be. Come Freddie on. I mean, look at his pretty Incredible. Freddie Stewart's pretty <laughs> useful, mate. He's not old. He's all right. Uh, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm biased. I've got my blue, um, my uh, rose tinted glasses on, my um, blue, black and white tinted glasses on. I, I think he's one of the best fullbacks in the league, genuinely. And, uh, you know, maybe it's my Scottish heritage that's playing there, but I'd love to see him in uh, in an England shirt. Yeah, I think last time he was in England squad, wasn't he? Was the, he, he wasn't he in an, or, or no, was he in the Barbarian squad? That's the Barbarian squad. <laughs> <laughs> so he's probably yeah he's probably uh still um yeah recovering from the slap on the wrist he probably got from that but yeah he he's playing absolutely Great. fantastically I, I thought he was superb wasn't he um yeah um, i think I, as well jj by the way um mm. i think it was his first try since round 20 in the 2019 20 season and this was round 19 of the 21 22 season so he's basically gone two full years before scoring a premiership try for bar which uh, 
is crazy, really, for you know someone of his quality with the amount of resources we have placed into him. But, but hopefully he can use that to just kick on from here. I think his form's been much better for the last couple of weeks and maybe see at the last couple of uh, games of his Bath contract, depending on how things go. Uh, that in, in that good was sport. a very... Um, yeah, diplomatic way of saying how much money those tries cost. How many resources we have in him? Yeah, I mean, no comment. But yeah, I think I think he's playing he's playing a lot better, certainly, isn't he? And and yeah, his his partnership with the Joma was starting to develop, and again with Clark on on Saturday, I thought yeah, those those backs really did come to the forefront, and and helped by what was a beautiful day at the wreck they they managed to to get us wide i think from kind of 5 24 down at half time Thoken Asiga coming on and i think to be honest with you watching that second half i know that they were down to 14 men for the majority of it and to 13 men for 10 minutes of it despite that we were completely dominant and they almost had no no impact on that second half apart from that late penalty that they scored which I was convinced that it was going to win it for them. I, I do think that we were completely dominant and and let's not, you know, they were for 30 minutes, it was 15 against 14, which we have seen can be quite difficult to break down and teams can adapt, particularly when it's just a winger that's that's gone off. So I think mm. Bath must take a lot of credit for that. And yeah, I thought, you know, the guys we've spoken about certainly aided that. But I think also some people off the bench, I thought had a, had a real big impact. Um, I thought Detroit, uh, Hooker yeah. had, had a big impact yeah. on the game, and I thought Kutsir as well in the back row coming on early for Underhill. I thought his carrying added a completely different dimension to to that Bath pack, and I've I've been impressed with him now on a couple of occasions coming off the bench, two or three occasions. And yeah, I, I think he's surely in line for for a start soon. I, I think he those guys um, kind of contributed to to what was a really dominant second half performance from from the boys. Yeah, absolutely. It'd be good to see uh, Yako get a good run in the team. I think there's there's been flashes of brilliance there, as, as you've said, the last couple of games. He's be back in. People will be drawling, <laughs> drawling over him, so... Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And look, he's going to have to play a lot of rugby next season, right, with some of the changes that we've got coming up. And, and actually, I'm looking forward to it. You know, the, the first couple of games, I think it takes a bit of time to adjust from South African style of rugby uh, into the way that Bath currently play, but actually maybe the changes that are coming next season might even play into the into his hands a bit more. But yeah, I, I agree. I've been really, really impressed with him. Uh, and, and also, I think Detroit there as well, just, just more generally, I think great in the game, but also he has a different dimension uh, when he comes on and he's absolutely lethal as well. You know, he scores a lot of tries, uh, probably a couple more tries than you'd expect him to score. And I, I, I always enjoy watching him play. Um, I think he's uh, he has a different dimension to our attack, as I've mentioned. Um, and then, as you said, Joe as well. I mean, how good is it to see him back on the pitch again? Um, you know, very, very similar injury that he had this summer around to last time. But think about the difference in the way that he's playing versus last summer around. It took him the best part of a year from memory to get back up to speed. And he scored, was it three tries in two games? Admittedly, in similar-ish circumstances, but... You know, I hope that's a sign of things to come. I'm really excited for the running. So I think you'll have a big part to play. Yes, Rocco's probably in his best form in the last couple of years, but the guy's 34, right? You know, uh, I'm 34 as well. I know how it feels just getting out of bed in the morning, let alone having to play <laughs> rugby at that, that level week in, week out. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I just kind of hope that, that he uses this as a moment to, to really elevate his, his standing and, uh, 
uh, and just to really deliver some some good performances for us. So I think you know we owe it he owes it to us, and, and also be great to see it. You know, just uh, just generally for his his mentality. So he kind of came out in the press, I think, and said he struggled in in that Fallon period last time. So it's just nice to see him come on and, and be smiling and, and enjoying his rugby again. And I think his finish was really intelligent actually, because he had that one disallowed try, whereas you know, he was out into touch, and the second time learned from it. And then was diving into the corner just yeah. to make sure that you know we got the point. So fair play to him. Yeah, he was showing off, I think, a bit with that. <laughs> like, if you could put the ball down with one handed, like one handed with everything else in your body, like not touching the ground, you definitely do it all the time, wouldn't you? Like, I couldn't dream of doing anything like that. I know your thirty-four year old body can can barely get off the ground <laughs> for the best of times. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah, if I was 120 kegs and that lean and you could run that fast over 100 metres, I'd be happy, you know. So. Although, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm slightly concerned about how heavily strapped his leg was. Like, yeah, absolutely. When Glanville made that break and they passed it to him down, I think that's kind of in front of where you sit, Andrew. Mm. Oh, I don't know, Joe of old, I reckon, is in the corner there, no problems. Yeah, yeah, potentially, potentially, yeah. But yeah, yeah, I think it takes a bit of time because the, the amount of times he used to bounce, people used to bounce off of him. Uh, I think it's going to take a bit of time for him to build the confidence in his knee to do that again. Um, but yeah, the, the straps are worrying, aren't they? They definitely, um, yeah, they're definitely not good. But hopefully, that's just more of a, of a mental thing, something he feels he needs to to protect himself. And you tend to find that with most injuries, right? It takes a bit of time, especially after serious ones, for you to have, you know the confidence in, in your body again. Um, I know it may not look like it, I played sport at a pretty decent level when I was younger and had some big injuries and it was more of a mental game once you got yeah. to a certain point than it was physical. So I'm hoping that that's what it is more than more than anything else. I'm talking of strapped knees and, and kind of don't want to go too off topic, but I did see Miles Reed at the end of the game kind of with a, oh, wow. with like a metal brace around his knee. So yeah, that, that's, that, that doesn't look like great news, but, but I don't want to kind of get into too much negativity on what was a fabulous day and, 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 and a fabulous but incredibly tense last five minutes. Kind of after Joe scored that try in the corner, our bonus point try to make it 24 all. We did our best, didn't we, to, to blow it. And yeah, a, a really <laughs> sloppy Simpson exit, I thought, allowed them to counter-attack and, and Randrandra exploited a tired-looking Bath defensive kind of kick chase. And yeah, for them to to score that penalty under the posts, and then for Bath to to kind of to toy to to pass it right back, and then for us to lo- Richards to lose the ball, only for you and uh, Lloyd to give us a penalty away, and then to make a break and drop it. Yeah, I thought we tried everything in our power to to not win that game, but unfortunately Bristol kind of at every stage did one thing worse, and and it kind of just allowed us to. to to win it it was yeah I mean I certainly was extremely extremely tense and yeah that that that, that last five minutes took about five years off my life I think <laughs> yeah it was quite stressful wasn't it it's was quite stressful I think my hairline was looking like Stuart Hogg's uh, pre the transfer <laughs> by the end of the game I was definitely putting my hair out um but, well it was so quite... you've had the you've had the Stuart Hogg job done yes on Monday yeah absolutely hence the quip yeah uh, <laughs> um yeah no I agree it was really stressful uh it was really stressful but actually it was <clears throat> you know as you say Bristol helped us along the way you know three yellow cards throughout the game um and, and really I think we probably should have had a penalty try um mm-hmm. I haven't watched the replay uh, or seen what the reason was was for that but 
watching it in the ground, it didn't look like there was any sort of, you know, defensive cover there for Bayless. Um, so I think that they probably got quite lucky with that. Um, and I kind of felt actually from that moment, it was inevitable. As soon as that yellow card went up, I just felt like, you know, as long as we do what we've done for the previous couple of tries and, and just put pressure on them in the centre and, and fling out to the wings, pretty much actually what Worcester did to us in, in a game I went to like deep into the red a couple of seasons ago, um, kind of felt like, you know, we had enough quality on the field, enough experience to, to make the most out of that moment. And, and luckily Simpson was, uh, was able to provide a decent pass and a decent exit at that moment to help us out. Yeah, yeah, it was. It did feel inevitable, but I don't know if that's because that's how we feel now. But yeah, mm. when I, I mean, because where I was stood was kind of like low down in that end stand. So the wreck, you know, the, the pitch is struggling. There's not great facilities and there's only one screen, which is fabulous when you can't yeah. actually see the screen. So <laughs> I had no idea. I had absolutely no idea what was going on. I was kind of like trying to jump over the fans in like that were in front of me to try and see. I mean, I'm not... I'm not Luke Charteris' size height by any means. And, uh, I had absolutely no idea. Apart from it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I had no idea what was going on. So I was happy when I just saw a yellow. I, I kind of thought that we dropped it and it was going to be um, Bristol line-out or Bristol scrum and, well, end of the game, basically. So, yeah, to see a yellow card go in and, and Bath to get a penalty, I was extremely relieved and kind of having watched it back, thought Luke Pearce was, was outstanding all game and I thought at the end there he was really clear in, in exactly what he thought um, and whether it should have been a, a, a penalty try or not, I think you could definitely argue that it should have been. His reasoning was that he, you know, he didn't think that it was a... Um, a probable try and so he said that it wasn't a penalty try and, and 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 said that it was foul play so it was a yellow card and penalty and 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 you can find you can certainly argue that I would I would disagree but I think the way he refereed that incident and the whole game I think he's the best ref in the world at the moment and oh, he is um, he is absolutely his clarity at all times and, and the way he tried to hurry the game up I thought he contributed to what was yeah an absolutely superb encounter yeah, I mean, the drama was really high, right? And I do agree with you, actually, on, on the point around refereeing. He's, he's definitely not a tempest, is he? he is, uh, he's one of the best refs that there is out there. And uh, I actually don't think I've, I've seen a bad game that he's ref for Bath. I think he always uh, aids the play and doesn't aim to get in the way. And uh, you know, I think it's just credit to his development. for such a young guy to, to have such, uh, you know, a... Um, <clears throat> to have such experience and such a cool head. You know, if you think about some referees in, in circumstances like that, they could maybe, you know, make the wrong call or make the wrong decision. And, you know, look, I'm sure if you had a reason for it, you know, it's much better than I do. Uh, as mentioned, a bolding 30-something ever-widening uh, <laughs> man in the crowd spilled for the side. I'm sure in a much better view than, than I did at that point. Yeah, he's excellent, isn't he? Yeah, you do get the the impression that he's got the game under control. And I think with some of the, the, the premiership referees, you sometimes feel like those big moments kind of pass them by, but he absolutely gets gets them gets them right, and and I think yeah he was outstanding. Um, Bath were absolutely outstanding, and it was just so great. Just kind of my final point on this game, Andrew, is just so great to see us exploit those yellow cards and and do enough yeah. and then to get the win because I think earlier in the season certainly we would have found a way to, to to blow that game and we wouldn't have exploited the cards we wouldn't have made the most of the opportunity that Bristol gave us and I think we are finding we're starting to learn how to win close games and win games that we should win if that makes sense and and yeah, yeah. yeah. four from seven I think it is in 2022 um, I think we are making some strides and I think 
we're not bottom. And that is certainly, kind of, <laughs> yeah, that, that certainly was, was pretty nice. When I had a little check of the table in the pub afterwards and we weren't bottom, I was, I was, I was happy. And, and there's a great meme going around with, um, I think that we've put on our Twitter account of, of, it's difficult to explain, but everyone kind of in their table and then Bath fans just celebrating, even though they're in 12th of, of 13. So, yeah. It's the little victories, isn't it? After seasons like this. <laughs> It is indeed. It is indeed. <clears throat> but there's there's lots of green shoots this season, right? I mean, if you think about uh, first time I came on the podcast, there's questions about Orlando Bailey um, and where he was. I think he's been brilliant, you know. And we haven't really talked much about you and Richards either. I mean, yeah, 19 years old, absolutely incredible. Max Ajoma coming through. Uh, plus, you've got the likes of Josh Bayless and Cam Redpath as well, and you know, Tom Doherty. I mean. Yes, we are, you know, second a second from bottom in the table. But if you think about the makeup of our squad, what we've got for the future, and that maybe again, it's just me being really excited uh, for Bath as ever. But it does feel like there's there's something growing here, and hopefully, we can just use this moment now, between now and the end of the season, to do what we didn't do last season, and that's to blood our younger players, give them some experience, and then use that as a springboard as as we move into next season, which is. Um, you know, again, as you mentioned last year, we were playing the likes of Chudley um, when we should be giving minutes to, to other players. You know, it's nice to see that we've, we've hopefully learned from those mistakes and, and going fully with our academy and backing the boys. Mm. Yeah, and Munster won 64-3 on Saturday as well. So, that's good. <laughs> Have you spoken yeah. to any Irish fans about uh, Van Gran at all? I think we need to get one on. Um, yeah, I can, I've got a couple I can maybe put you in contact. But yeah, yeah. But it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I think we are going to try and um, going forward now, kind of keep a bit of a closer eye on on uh, on the monster result, and maybe come up with a little a little segment on the podcast um, where we where we review how monster monster got on. But yeah, we'll, we'll, Tom Tom can come up with a name or, or and when it, the monster the monster munch. There we go. How about that? <laughs> monster munch. Yeah, that is that's pretty good. I think there we go. Fantastic. You can have that the one, the one thing that we did manage to come up with over four years of doing this podcast is the thicker scale. So let's check in on some thicker readings. We haven't done this in a little while. Uh, probably blame me for forgetting. Um, and just having a little look on Twitter, I did put out um, a uh, a tweet asking for Bath fans for their thicker rating. And I think it kind of a lot of Bath fans finding this one relatively difficult to put on the scale because whilst it was a fantastic ending and a fantastic win. There were clearly some some major issues in that first half, and 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 the reason for the turnaround. I think some people are, are, are maybe not as optimistic as as what we've been. Um, kind of varying from six, sevens, eights. Andrew, why don't you kick us off or, or give us the the Bath rugby pug fit to reading from the rec <coughs> Saturday afternoon at five o'clock? I was born a, a glass half full character. Uh, absolutely a ten. Look, it's a West Country derby. Um, uh, absolutely smashed them uh, in certain points through the game. Yes, it was tough. Yes, it was challenging. But just to see the boys come back, get off the bottom of the table, see you and Richard score a try last week and get man of the match this week. Uh, as mentioned, getting JJ back on the score sheet and Rocco, Big Joe, all, all of the guys that, that put in a metronomic shift. It was just great to see. The atmosphere in the ground was brilliant. Sell out crowd, really, really positive. I can't say anything worse. So it has to be a 10 from me. Brilliant. That is the best way to end the podcast. Thick to reading, thick to reading of a 10. Andrew, thank you so much for joining me. Listeners, thank you so much for listening as always. Um, yeah, thank you for sticking by us through, through thick and thin this season like you have done 
with uh, with the, with the club undoubtedly. And, and please do subscribe, share the podcast with your friends. What better time as Bath go on a late season surge to share the podcast with your friends? Um, we will be back at some point in the next couple of weeks, um, looking at Bath's schedule. They have got a week off. Um, looking at Tom. Uh, and and the last couple of weeks he's had, I think he's going to probably need a little bit of time off when he gets back to the UK. So yeah, we'll definitely get back together to discuss all things blue, black and white as soon as we can. But in the meantime, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and wherever we do release a new podcast, it'll be delivered straight to your device. Andrew, thank you for joining me. We'll have to get you on soon because uh, yeah, you're clearly a good luck charm when you come on the podcast <laughs> after after Saturday. Um, And make sure, listeners, you stick behind the boys through thick and thin.